0: There we go, and we are starting the recording. Get all your um, mic taps out of the way, like Jeff does.
1: What is that sound? Alright, what sound uh, is that?
0: we good? Are we ready? We are ready.
1: Click, click, go. click. Alright. <laughs> Welcome to Owls AmeriCast, episode number 33 already. I'm Evan, your not-so-regular host as our own Jeff Paternastro is on vacation somewhere in the mountains of Tennessee, which sounds beautiful, but you're stuck with me and a couple other fellows that will be familiar to you, as well as Mike from Portland. Mike, we'll start with you. Welcome to the podcast. What are you drinking?
2: Hey, greetings. Thanks for having me. Uh, tonight, I am. it's very hot in Portland this week, so I'm having a pineapple cider from Two Towns Cider in Corvallis, Oregon. It's a very summery drink. Not normal, my normal fare, but it's quite good. And
1: unlike us, it's what, 6.30 in your neck of the woods?
2: It is. coming up on 6.30, yes.
1: Nice. That That's nice. It'd be nice to have three more hours of the day. Anyway... We also have Patty from New York. You may have heard of him. He's uh, been on the podcast a few times before. Patty, what are you drinking?
0: It's good to be back, Evan. I am drinking a a New Belgian brewery, a honey orange triple, a Belgian style ale brewed with an African honey and fresh ground Seville orange peel. It is absolutely delicious. Sounds beautiful,
1: Luke. Andrew's hacking. Luke, will you continue the theme of fruity beers?
3: Um, yes, I'm drinking a dogfish head mixed media vino esk brewed with grape must.
0: Ooh, that sounds good. I didn't try that before. Old dogfish. It's
3: pretty good. It's 7.5, so it's a little heavier than I thought it would be, but it is like somewhere in a whiny flavor that I wasn't quite expecting. It's quite good.
0: Uh, mine is 10%, by the way, and I have had a few beers beforehand, so this could be sloppy fair warning
1: well it's not like we have a whole lot to talk about no (laughs) big deal speaking of that let's get started oh i forgot to say i am evan um and i don't have a drink at the moment Uh, too much going on tonight to even remember to get one so maybe maybe at halftime i'll go down and, and, and grab one so plenty to preview today or talk about today Uh, A great, great start for Sheffield Wednesday on uh, the season front. Um, An absolutely fantastic fans forum. Some transfer news. And on a good note, we'll talk with Mike about starting a great supporters group here in the United States. We'll talk about uh, an MLS transfer that is also relevant to Mike in Portland. We'll also talk a little bit about... The fourth division of U.S. Soccer Final, which happened last weekend, I believe. We'll talk about Hall and their squirrel and talk about our meetups coming up this weekend. So let's get to it, shall we? We have a beautiful match to talk about. As in the opener, Joss got bamboozled by a late signing by Wigan, Anthony Robinson, and his pace and his birthday over the weekend, Patty.
3: Was that even fair? Is that like the
0: American guy, Anthony Robinson? Is that like Jedi
3: guy? Yeah, mm-hmm. he so, was the guy who signed the day before, and actually, I think it's his birthday today, uh, he, Wednesday, as we record. He set up
0: the first goal, right?
3: Uh, I think he set up couple, two of yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. It was, was, was his like sixty-yard run that really like that just was like, oh, right, this kid is fast.
0: He tore us apart, didn't he? What's, what's the background of this guy?
3: Where was he before that? Um, he is on the books at Everton. He just renewed his contract there. Last season, he was on loan at Bolton. And I think he played against us, if not twice, at least once last year.
0: That's a good signing for them, isn't it? Yeah, he really gives uh, a lot of problems down that flank. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, good good signing by Wigan. I wish we could bet some signings in. We'll talk about later on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like we may. It sounds like we have some uh, loan ideas
1: in the cards. I think tomorrow is the last day to sign new players. And then the end of August is uh, when we have to have loans in by. So we'll see what happens there. We'll get to that later, though. Can we start with any positives from the match? Does anyone have
2: anything good to say?
0: We scored two goals. We did. Yeah. And there are
2: people, people we would like scoring goals scored. That's
0: good. <laughs> And there were good goals, right? I mean, I mean the cross to Atty, even though uh, Atty's goal was a bit of a bundle, the got uh, cross was fantastic. And I thought Rich had a good first half, at least. He was a bit anonymous in the second half a little bit. But that's positive for me as far as that we have a left-back that's not Morgan Fox that's playing that played pretty well, I thought. Um, I think Forestieri played pretty well. Um, he could do with more uh, balls uh, at his feet going forwards rather than with his back-towards goal. Um, I think there is some positives. I, look, I think going forward, we looked okay. In spells, we looked almost dangerous. It's just that it's the other side of the pitch that's a problem as usual. Um, well, the I mean, other side
1: of the pitch seemed awfully dangerous, um, but in, in a bad way. I think just about, I don't know, once every five minutes or so, um, I had to hold my breath because uh, the ball was at our back line, Jeff. Jeff, I don't mean Jeff. I mean, Luke. <laughs> where's Jeff? <laughs> Jeff? Jeff, 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 come back. Um, Baloo, Jeff, whoa. we miss you. Uh, Is there any hope for our defense this season?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely hope for our decent defense. I think Joss um, needs to to settle on a formation and and settle on his starting lineup, and you know figure out which pieces aren't going to work and see if he can either try to squeeze another piece in there that will work or, I don't know, get pull up a kid from the reserves, get a kid on loan, something. Um, But I think with the front line being good, with our midfield being capable of dominating a game, it's just a question of getting a defense together that has confidence and isn't going to be Taken apart by the opposing team, signing a player the day before and putting them straight into the lineup. Um, I think, I think, I think that's really what did it. I think they weren't expecting. I'm not sure who Wigan had starting at left back before they signed Anthony Robinson, but I don't think they'd done their research enough on him to know. Oh, or or even were capable of saying like, oh, they're going to start this guy. He's going to just destroy us down that left flank again and again.
0: It wasn't just that guy, though. I mean, let's be honest. No, no, no. <laughs> there was, was a whole lot of Wigan players, which basically were first to the ball. They hassled us when we had the ball at our feet. They did a great job of everything that we're not good at doing. So teams know how to play against us now. We found out last season. And all Wigan were doing were following the blueprint of people that beat us last season. Burton, I mean, Preston. All these crappy teams know how to play against us. They can't play normal football because we're good at that. We're better than them at that. They have to hustle and bustle, and they have to pepper these crosses in from every single angle, which guy? Which is, way, again, why is this this new guy did really good against us. He was a good cross of the ball. He was fast, which we haven't got anyone that's fast to, to deal with that stuff. And it was just... It, it, to me, it seemed like we hadn't even had a plan of defence. It did not matter that we were not expecting this new signing. We had no real coordination between that back three. No one seemed to understand what their role was. And as anyone, like more than anyone, it was Van Aken as well that was constantly out of position. Um, and and again, Tom Lees is going to take a lot of flack for not organising that back three. And you've got to ask yourself, you've had all pre-season, same players, what has Joss been doing for the past three months? What has he been drilling into them? Have they not listened? Or have they not been told great directions. That's before I get on to Liam Palmer. <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. I, my com- this, I'm, I hate this computer. Um, okay. Well, on a bright note, Liam Palmer is in our agenda. Patty, do you want to <laughs> talk about why you added him to the agenda?
0: Do you want to uh, explain... The exact agenda point we put in there it was Liam, fucking Palmer, Um, all
1: capital letters. letters. That would be all caps.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to. Well, I'm not happy. I don't like slating any players. Uh, I honestly think that the game on Saturday was his worst ever performance in the Wednesday shirt. Um, The only thing he did well was getting in good positions up front. Unfortunately. He doesn't know what to do when he's in those positions up front. And more often than not, fucked a whole movement up. And that is just more infuriating. I'd rather not be there and no one pass to him than be there and end a move, which was potentially promising. And that happened about four or five times. And he just, every single good ball landed at his feet and he just fucked it up. So not only that, he was terrible defensively. The amount of times I saw him ball watching, you, you watch the extended highlights on YouTube He's just wandering around, looking around like he's lost. It's unbelievable how a professional championship-level player with this much experience doesn't know where to stand and where to mark and who to mark. It's just, honestly, it was embarrassing at times. So, Evan, have you got anything to uh, defend your favorite player with that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I promise you I won't add or subtract to anything you just said. He looked poor and maybe maybe his worst and looks like maybe Ash Baker will get some uh, get some experience here coming right up. Uh, But let's move on to Zhao. Wow. J. Wow. I have a serious question, Mike. Uh, We haven't heard from you. We haven't heard from you much. Um, Is. J. Wow. The Wednesday equivalent of Marcus Rashford
2: if you're talking about the Marcus Rashford that half the people saw in the world cup and said, he's amazing in his speed and he stretches the field, then maybe, but he's also the same guy who I have this highlight reel of being in front of the net and not being able to tow a ball over the line. Um, and that goes back to maybe Cardiff last year, maybe the first game against Swansea in the FA cup where stoppage time. He was there and he just put it off to the side. And then here at the end, he, uh, you know, he had the ball in stoppage time. He just seemed to be sputtering with it. And that could have been a little bit of the, the I follow, um, uh, you know, reconfiguring. It just looks like he stuttered, took four steps and then, you know, did that pass to Fletch who went and did the same thing, did a very Marcus Rashford shot as well. So I want to believe it's just one of those things. He's, he's got this highlight reel of, of mishaps, but I think out, away from the ball, he's doing a lot more than people are going to give him credit for.
0: I well, let's move on to... A, oh,
2: no, go ahead. No, no,
0: please. I think he's great. I think he's uh, he changed the game on Saturday. He uh, brings the ball forward. He beats players. I think he's grown over the last year. I, th- I think Mike's definitely right by picking up on the fact he's missed several easy chances in the past uh, uh, two years while he's been with us. But um, I think hopefully if we get him in the right place now, he can, he can uh, be a good asset for us. And um, I kind of hope he starts on Saturday. I with, uh, yeah,
2: I, I want to believe. Yeah, with uh, with Atte, I think this. I think the Joao Fessi front line is it, it's intriguing. Don't know how much minutes we've seen of them on the field together.
1: Well, speaking of Fessi, how about his goal, Luke? I mean, it was it was beautiful, and it kind of it's gotten overlooked by by how dismal the performance was overall. Uh, but. Uh, you know, could it have gotten any better for Fessi in that goal?
3: No, I don't think so. It was a, it was a good team goal. I think his 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 pass uh, or sorry, the the pass he received was the highlight of it, but um I think that had that been the first goal of the game, we would be having an entirely different conversation here. And it just happens that it was the second goal in a 3-2 loss that means it's not being talked about with the um, superlatives that it should. Uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, take that goal any day of the week and twice on Sunday.
0: Can I talk up briefly so, about, um, so, you know, when we, uh, I think you mentioned last week on last week's podcast, I follow was getting extra camera angles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone see on the highlights what the extra camera angle we had, we didn't actually see during the live game? No. So on the highlights, they've used this extra camera angle, uh, just pointed at the Wednesday fans. That's it. <laughs> so like, probably extra camera angles for better match replays. Uh, it's just pointed at the Wednesday fans. So All we see is just like two thousand fat blokes just going. Hey! That was the uh, extra eye follow we pay, uh, we pay for. So thanks, eye follow.
3: But surely that's determined by the home stadium, and not, <laughs> not. I mean, re- like it, the the the. Stadium has to have the cameras there in order for them to broadcast something different. I mean, so you think clearly, you can
0: extra cameras to everyone around and then just not tell them where to point them. Point them towards the fucking pitch. <laughs> That's well, the first, first direction.
3: I mean, you would think, but probably there's no, there's very little, I mean, from what I can tell, there's very little production uh, back end to go with each match. It's just kind of like we've got one camera, one camera operator. Two guys with a mic on the desk, which is why no one can hear them talk throughout the match. Instead, we just got crowd noise. And, like, I'm sure they have other cameras around to record, you know, the game, but they, I I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's like a live production van outside. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no, because it also took about two minutes for them to update the scores. Uh, (laughs) So I think, I'm, I'm picturing like the, uh, the, the VAR room they had for the World Cup where someone had to get a phone call saying that there was a score change and they had to advance <laughs> the score. So I, was-
3: I literally literally forgot that VAR was not rolled out worldwide this summer. So when the score didn't update, I thought, oh, we're going to review. That wasn't a goal.
2: Oh, but how confusing was that offsides call when uh, the Wigan goal got called off and we were just like, well, yeah, we, we couldn't figure out what's going on. <laughs> no. uh, I'm, yeah, guys-
1: they, I'm glad you mentioned that because the, the audio, you know, we're supposed to have... Um, oh, there's audio you know, commentary now. And, and yeah, there there is, but you have to either one. Well, no, there's only one option. It's turn your volume all the way up and mm-hmm. you can barely, even if you do that, you can barely hear the commentary and you hear all the crowd noise. It makes you feel like you're, you're sitting next to tango right in the heat of everything. Right. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's not what I want to do in my, my basement at 10 AM on a Saturday well, morning. Yeah, I,
2: I had to, I had to text Patty and say, you know, is it just you or is it, you know, is it us or, you know, happening to everybody but it 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 reminds me of being like at dodger stadium and you can kind of hear the waft of a radio in the background over the crowd or behind the crowd it was just like that and so i mean if they're going for the ambiance it's a it's a nice try but it probably plays different if you're watching it with 50 people
0: versus watching it in a you know at home alone well yeah i was in the bar with 20 people and and you can barely hear the commentary anyway but i mean it was just good to have some kind of rhythm other than uh, a crowd noise because i like, there's times last season with. If you ever try watching 90 minutes of football with no commentary, like, not even a, a foreign commentary, if people at home were listening to this, like, back in Sheffield and in England, uh, it is so weird. It just feels like. not even anyone, No one talks even to make up for the silence. Everyone's just like, just sat in silence watching you. <laughs> usually lose last season. It's a very weird thing. So I was very happy even just to hear a faint whiff of commentary because it was that it had a bit more rhythm to the game rather than just silence. Well, I, I add,
2: add silence to, to having no, no idea what the score is or how much time is there <laughs> really it is it is surreal so let's let's be thankful for what we the massive improvement that's happened this year thank you I follow Lords well
1: that is a great segue into the next point which is silence and after big Dave got his red card and he walked past our lovely manager it seemed like there was something somewhat of a silent treatment. Um, he looked fuming mad from the back, at least. Um, Mike, what do you make of, of at these red card? Did you see much in it? Were you able to see it at all? I know it
2: was kind of a, a quick yeah, Well, In hindsight, I, in hindsight, I, well, again, part of having eye follow is you don't get a dozen replays like you do again, watch in the world cup. So we kind of have to, to go for, you know, in hindsight, I think I believe I heard somewhere probably on football heaven that he had been warned several times about, you know, leading with elbows and stuff. So, um but yeah, that cold shoulder from Yas, that was something he like an American football coach would do. Um, you know, following an ejection. That was that was stunning. Yeah, it's been bad books. I mean,
0: do you think Ati had a good game on Saturday? Uh eh. <laughs> that's, that's You hey, know, again he's sco- I mean, when he leads off the- when he leads
2: off scoring it's fine, but it seemed like he was um again, I hate to say it but it seems like people may have figured him out. Um it's kind of obvious what his role is when they're you know, coming in from the sides.
0: My main problem with Atty is he comes too deep, and, th- and again, this this is a and this might be a player's not following instructions, but this is something I saw across the team. So Atty's often found in like the 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 first third of the pitch, near like the defensive midfielder, and he picks it up there, and he usually does a good job. He usually holds the ball up and he passes it off. That's great, but we don't need that player. We we need a target man. And that, that he's not fulfilling that role if he's down in that end of the pitch. And there's several players doing these things during Saturday, which just shows a lack of discipline and a lack of organisation. So, I mean, like Tom Leeds is going up from defence. That was pretty much an instruction that he's had. He can't pass or shoot, so what's he doing up there? Hutchinson spent most of the game as an attacking midfielder, which was just bizarre. Um, and it's just like, and like I said, Liam Palmer. I think what might have happened was, the instructions was that last year we weren't getting enough people forward from midfield. So now that everyone's going forward and our strikers are coming backwards. <laughs> so we've got people that can't finish up front and people that can't defend, depending. And it was just a complete mess was that to finish. And that, that goes on to Joss, I think. It goes on to uh, Lukai his, 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 uh, and his and his direction and coaching. So that's, that is a massive worry.
3: I think that I'm not... I, like, I'd have to go back and watch again, but it seemed to me like the instruction was... Bypass the midfield, just like hit every ball over the top. Try to catch, you know, catch them on the break. Try to catch them out. Try to like force balls down the channel, and it 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 worked in the second half. So I can't say that it wasn't a good strategy. It just didn't. I didn't understand why that seemed to be the game plan from the word go. There were a lot of there were a lot of goal kicks that went very long straight to Addy's head, and that just seemed like you've got you've got good midfield players why not use them rant over <laughs>
1: i'll tell you what for being 6 foot 5 6 foot 6 whatever he is he does not win nearly enough balls in the air right his goal was his goal was great don't get me wrong it was it was well taken right off the chest a little bit of patience and then obviously lugging it in at the end but what I noticed was just sheer frustration when a ball was played high to him. He he doesn't get off the ground, and he doesn't win balls. Somehow, even when guys are behind him, he's not winning balls. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but it's something that's, that
0: really frustrated me throughout the, throughout most of the match. You know what, though? It, <laughs> he, does, he, did, he was doing that last season, though, for the first time. That's what, that's what got him a few goals. He was putting himself about a bit more. He was winning those headers. And that's that's what made him a better player. Um, I'm hoping this is not uh, a kind of back to what we know about here and the kind of the kind of slow kind of non-jumpy um, strike we have. But um, I, I say it's it's one game at the end of the day. I don't want to I don't want to labour. I don't think we were, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Uh, I think there was some positives. Uh, I think we need a lot more organisation. I think Yoss needs to rattle a few heads. Um, I think we need to bring some youth in. I don't think Liam Parbis should play another minute for us. But um, I think going forward this year, I think we haven't got that many issues. Uh, we've got a lot of options. If we keep hold of our best players, I guess. I mean, that can go and talk, talk about later. But um, it's the defence just terrifies me. How you can start the first game of the season like that is beyond me. Well, we surely have to
1: get it back together.
3: And uh,
1: well, before we move on, any any other comments, thoughts
3: from from anyone else? I agree with Patty. It was one game. I think uh, I think we'll move on from there.
2: I mean, if there's a if there's a backhanded bright spot to this, it's that the defense was so glaring that it's the only thing that they should be focusing on right now. So if they come out again like that, then we know there's a real problem with the management. To a good point. So
1: we're going to move on to the fan forum. And this is something that we talked a little bit about it last year. I think Patty made the point that um, the, this, this sort of thing is, I think it's unheard of overseas, uh, let alone the United States, right? Can you imagine, uh, Patty said, can you imagine the Mets owner coming out and having all the fans in, in one room and answering all their questions. That right would um, be a lynching. <laughs> <laughs> the, Mets, be,
0: the Mets are a bigger mess than we are. <laughs> it,
1: it, it would be quite awful. But just the, the sheer transparency uh, is absolutely amazing to me. And uh, I think I think it shows that we have, we have quite a great owner. Um, but we're, we're going to get into many of these points. Um, we're going to start with the, the one that I think everyone's really talking about and and Chan Siri said that his family is literally scared for him um, you know he invited his son to to attend the forum and he was lit- he was too scared he was he was too afraid and uh, I'll ask your opinion in a second but but to that I say fuck you Wednesday fans that sit behind a keyboard and and talk shit on Facebook to our our owner and his family. I think that's absolutely atrocious. I think I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say that, and I, I surely don't believe it's our whole fan base. But that is just absolutely disgusting. Um, and and I'm trying to figure out. You know, I'll go to Luke for this. Um, you know, Luke, you're you're a big sports fan. I'm trying to figure out how an owner in the United States, I guess, would would respond to to criticism like that.
3: I, you know, they, they don't um, sports ownership in the States is not like you're, you're insulated from you're insulated from your fans by several levels. I mean, like you never, when you see an uh, a, a sports team owner interviewed, it's never like by in a, in a public forum, it's, you know, um, at best moderated questions, with like the high rollers of the you know season ticket holders or like the luxury box owners, where you know his friends who aren't going to be like angry. It's just it's just not a thing that happens to to publicly put management in front of you know people who by definition are are have a a fanatical devotion to something just is never like it's just never done. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Mike.
2: I was going to say, the only, the only fans who are, the, the only owners out here who, who do anything like that are the ones that choose to. I mean, you could probably go around and ask, and we, we might, you know, I mean, rabid sports fans might know who most owners of, most NFL owners are, but for the most part, it's people like, who have personalities like Jerry Jones who want to be out in the spotlight, but, you know, and they they kind of welcome controversy around certain things and they, they, they pick favorites and they try to they try to play the role of gm as well but they just don't you're right they're they're insulated from this and they choose to be insulated from this um it takes it takes a lot to get owners in real trouble with fans um you know going back to i think of like well going back to like people like marge marge shot and other people like that from uh, from baseball but yeah they, they choose to be above all this
3: and certainly not in the age of tv certainly not in the age of of cell phone video and and you know like and and people recording every word someone says like no no owner would want to be caught out saying something libelous like in an open forum like that would be a disaster so for chancery to to like commit anything on the record publicly like i i think he should be applauded for and you know for him to say publicly yes people need to watch their behavior like i i can't i i don't understand the people who try and defend it there there have been you know i mean obviously people on twitter you can never really take what they say at face value but like there are people who are trying to defend the comments as as being banter and and you know the sense of humor of of sheffield but or of the north of yorkshire in general and i mean certainly it doesn't That doesn't ring true to me. That doesn't seem to be, um, that doesn't, that just, that, that seems very strange. That seems very like, I'm searching for the right express like, after revisionist history, I guess. I don't know, Patrick, you, you might be better equipped to comment on the humor
0: of, of our friends in Yorkshire, (laughs) or. or I don't think you can even bring it down to that. I think um, I think there's people that think they're funny, but what Chanser is talking about here is people commenting on his family's Instagram, his family. I mean, his ten-year-old, twelve-year-old kid, I can't remember all his nats. Nat is on Instagram. His uh, sisters on Instagram. His I think his wife's on Instagram too. I'm not sure. Um, but it's, it's this age we're living now where it's everything's a reality show, right? So we're all fed this stuff off the TV every single day. Uh, Everyone has to have a comment. Everyone has to have a presence. Um, even football club owners now. And to some extent, um, you don't want to say that they shouldn't be doing this because everyone else can do it. Why can't they do it? But at the end of the day, if they do it and they put themselves out there in the public space, you're going to attract the knuckle-draggers, the abuse, the, the idiots that uh, come on and, and talk about Uh, Their football team, when someone's just posted a picture of their kid in a farm, on a farm, or on holiday in Paris. It's just, that's the age we're living now. People will comment on reality. It's like, it's reality TV, but in a social presence. So, from my point of view, I I feel with uh, Jan Sui, I, I do think that it needed saying. I appreciate that he comes out and says this in the opening of the fans' forum. Uh, I feel awful that it's felt unsafe. Um, I do think that he needs to get thicker skin. Um, I don't think anyone should be commenting on his kids or his family. That's, that's, that's totally out of bounds. It's going to do anything like that. But people and celebrities will get shit. Awful shit said to them through Twitter and social media and anything like that. Um, the owner of a football club needs to know that's part of the job now. It's 2018. That's part of his job. He can't go into um, a fans forum and berate, berate berate's a strong word, and berate berate and talk about the fan treatment of himself. He needs to just ignore it. It's not on, but he needs to ignore it.
3: Well, I think he's a... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, do you think by highlighting it, he is making the problem worse? Or is he saying, you know, to the (laughs) collective fan base, like... Hey, it's up to you guys to kind of say to each other, "This isn't right."
0: I don't think it's making it worse. I think what will happen now is might be a week or so goes by where he won't get as much abuse. Then we'll lose to Hull on Saturday and lose to Sunderland in the cup, and they'll be back again next week because people forget <laughs> and they don't give a shit. Uh, so at the end of the day, he needs. To, unfortunately, it's, this is not the right. This is not the right way of doing things. But he's going to have to fucking change. Because uh, there's always going to be a, a section of football clubs fans that don't give a shit uh, and will just hell abuse behind their keyboards. This is another category of winning. You know, something else going in the category
2: of winning cures everything. Well, here we are and you know off to a bad start. And uh, again, if, if we're winless heading into September, it's going to be a, it's going to get worse for them.
0: Unfortunately, it is yeah, sad state of affairs, but. I mean, well, I think that's from our from our point of view, from our podium and, uh, on the, with the podcast with a good listenership. We just got to advise anyone that listens to this: if you listen to this and you're calling our chairman and names, abusing him, uh, abusing his family, then you shouldn't listen to us. You shouldn't listen to the Wednesday Week. You shouldn't be at Hillsborough. You shouldn't be a Sheffield Wednesday fan. You should just walk off and just sit in a dark, dark corner and have a word with yourself because it's not it's not your club anymore. You're here, here.
1: Well, it's a, it's a good point, Hattie. I think that criticism is always warranted. I think that uh, criticism and, and feedback can be positive, but uh, to me, it's the the kid stuff. It's it's going after his family, right? It, he's he's obviously a family man, and um, you know, it's it's the Chancery it's it's Chan-Siri on the front of our shirts, right? And, and it's him that is, is supporting our club with with every ounce of his being. And every ounce of his checkbook that he's allowed to support it with, and um, you know we can we can criticize some of the moves that he's made, but to, to hurl insults at his family like that, I think is is beyond disgusting. Um, so so we move on to some other points here. We th- there are a lot of points to get to, right? Um, <laughs> we can, we can talk about pricing, right? I think one of his quotes was that uh, all the profit that they make is not enough to pay the back office. You know, there there are some, um, there are gripes all the time that the prices are too high. Ticket prices are too high. Uh, Kit prices are too high. Membership prices too high. And, you know, it's, it's scary to think that maybe, maybe not scary, but it's sad to think that, you know, we're all griping about the prices when we've spent so much money on players to try to make the squad better. And we don't even have enough to pay the back office if that's true. Um, that's pretty sad, but then, on the other hand, Patty, um he lowered the price or, or, or came out with a new membership that was more affordable.
0: Yeah, uh, so that was something that came out of the uh, Fans Forum. So if you want to see direct action from criticism and uh, seeing your chairman respond to complaints, this is what happens. So you go to the Fans Forum and this is the kind of thing you'd expect. You have a conversation with your chairman. He's always said to call him, which I don't agree with, to call him if you can't afford things or to call him if you disagree with something. Um, And one of the biggest things that came up in the uh, fans forum was the membership. And they put the membership up to £90 this year, which was just obscene, in my opinion, um, for what you got for it. Um, And again, it's another way, the criticism of this is that they're just trying to bleed the fans dry. I don't think he's trying to bleed the fans dry. I think he's trying to comply with an EFL uh, sustainability um, rule that means he has to increase his profits. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of the uh, ways of doing that is to charge fans more for the things they do and the things they like. Um, however, the offering for the membership was not worth the money. So, whoever advised that £90 was a price point that they could try and charge people for a few discounts and priority ticket booking was stupid. They didn't know the fan base, they didn't know Sheffield Wednesday uh, fans and the did it's just an ill-advised move, and it's terrible PR. And uh, thankfully, after we, after the fans told him this face to face in the fans forum, the very next day, he's uh, changed it. He's put a new uh, silver membership in place, which is essentially the same as last year's model. It's fifty pounds. You get a couple of um, discounts uh, at games, and you get some usual money off at um, the store, I think, too. So, it's it's that dialogue we need to have where it's constructive and it's it's two way. There's no abuse, although there was a lot of abuse on Twitter when they launched it the first time around. But speak to the guy. You never know. He might change his mind.
3: I I have to admit, being completely ignorant of the fact that there was a membership that people could buy, it just is one of those things that I, I always thought that most clubs go like, season ticket holder, you're a member, you get all these extra perks. I didn't realize that there was some, like... Other thing you could buy that would do, or that would be a continuing relationship with the club. I, I find that strange, and I find that maybe, maybe marketing that, um,
0: maybe should have also been a subject of priority. <laughs> do you think you would have bought it? If you, I mean, it is essentially aimed at expats, or not not really expats to, as in as far as living in as far away as America, but it, mm-hmm. people that live not close enough to Sheffield to go to regular games. It's the kind of next level down um, uh, down the ladder, really. You can't afford a season ticket, you can't afford a single match. Well, you can afford a single match every now and again. But say if you went to three or four, or five, six games a season, a membership starts to pay off a little bit more back because you get some discounts, you get a priority. What essentially it did is allow people to get to the front of the queue after season ticket holders for big games. So the Wembley game, for instance, um, a few years ago, uh, it went on sale to season ticket for holders first. And then it went down the financial fair play, uh, not the financial, the uh, the point system based uh, for if you've attended home and away games. And then it went to members, so it just gets you further up the the pecking order as far as tickets things, uh, rather than being a general sale pleb and hoping for the best. But I mean that does that does really matter in the fact if we think we're going to have a big game to play for at the end of the season, (laughs) which so far (laughs) is not really. I mean ninety pounds is quite a big bargain to put on the quite a big gamble to put on Wednesday to get into a big game at the end of the season at the moment. So, £50, pound I think, is is above average, but I think people will pay it.
3: And you think they could very easily just shoehorn the I follow membership into the club membership, and then maybe some of our other issues that we have to talk about wouldn't be quite so damning.
0: You know what? And that's, just a sens- that's such a sensible idea, Luke. And you'd think that they would try and bundle these things together... But I feel like the, uh, I don't know why they don't think of these things. Sometimes, uh, like say, maybe email Siri. Maybe I'll listen to you. <laughs> 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 you I, I think the
3: answer there. I think the answer there is just media rights. Um, like streaming media rights and radio media rights and video media rights are like hot commodities now, and the the cost of production and the cost of you know holding onto these things like can be problematic as. We continue down our list of things to talk about uh, from the fans' forum. I'm sure this will come up again.
0: <laughs> you know, I think the club's been a trick as far as uh, upselling. So there's this, the concept of upselling, right? You bring people into a system. So iFollow, for instance, they've. Let's, let's talk about Radio Sheffield. I think that's the next point in the agenda, or it's near enough. So there's no longer uh, Radio Sheffield commentary for people in Sheffield uh, on the radio, okay? Now, we haven't had to deal with this. Outside of Sheffield, because we can't get Radio Sheffield anyway on the internet or on the radio because we're not in their catchment area. But for people in Sheffield, it's a big deal because uh, people rely on listening to Sheffield Wednesday on the commentary. It's been there for years. Now, if they announced that they were no longer putting this on the radio because they had to fall out with Radio Sheffield, but the, comments, the same commentary would be on iFollow for free. I don't think that would be a massive problem anymore. Yes, there'll be people that still can't get access to the internet because they're old, they don't have computers, they don't have smartphones. But, I mean, it would it would immediately cut out most of the noise that they have about trying to bleed fans dry. And what you do then, you get people onto the iFollow platform, and then you can upsell them to buy a match, maybe around and again, a midweek match, or then you can upsell them to get a £5 subscription to listen to all the commentary home and away. Just get them on the platform, first of all, with a little freebie. Don't say, we're cutting off all your free access and we charge you £5 more every month to listen to an away mic that you used to get for free. That's just ridiculous. Who who works business like that? That That's the things that frustrate me this, this, with the way that Siri and Katriana are running the business. It's just simple wins. This is a win no, rather than a loss. Just make it a win for you. Sounds like you need a job
1: within the club. It um, <laughs> sounds like they might not be able to pay you, but... Uh... <laughs> You could at least you could at least give him some good ideas what what do you think of the uh, the quotes that or, or the I don't know if it's a direct quote but the, the fan that said that his father is a 94 year old season ticket holder and can't work a computer so he can't use I follow and listen to these matches where Chan Siri responded that he has to look after a majority of fans what do you how do you feel that resonates not just with not with that one fan I mean that's there's no question how he feels um, but but with the fan base in general, do you think that went over okay? And that might be a patty question since um, he, he probably is
0: a little more in tune with,
1: with the Sheffield
0: culture. Well, I was on Twitter um, following this um, throughout the three hours it went on for, four hours I think in the end, and uh, there was a lot of uproar throughout of things that Chancio is saying, uh, faux uproar, uproar from people that just wants to be uproared, um, but this comment, I think, was probably the worst comment of the of the entire night from Chancery, uh as far as ill advised. Um, you, I mean, he's a fucking ninety four year old granddad. You can't say you don't care about him. What what kind of like what kind of club like heartless businessman answer is that? I mean, just don't just again these are easy fucking wins. Don't say. I've got to care for the rest of the uh, fan base, not the two, three percent. That's what you're thinking, that's what your business brain tells you. Don't say it out loud to the rest of the fan base. That's ridiculous. You've got to you got if you want to be part of the community and be part of the family, which he says he wants to be, you've got to treat out everyone as family. You can't just ignore your granddad in the corner because he's old and he can't get to a computer. You've got to give him access to. <laughs> you can't just stuff him he's old. <laughs> I think that's strategic
1: though from Chancery, because I think if if granddad gets a hold of the internet, who knows what he's going to say <laughs> on social media.
0: Granddad's the worst racist as well. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, no, no, it we shouldn't be ageist on this on this podcast. You're probably right. Um,
1: so, so speaking of business moves then, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the customer um, Customer mention You know, one thing that when, when Katrien when she came in from Charlton, everyone m- used to mention her her one line where she called fans customers. She didn't she didn't mention them as fans. They were they were customers. And so Chen Siri comes out and he says he wants to know if people are fans or customers, as they often act like the latter. Um, this is a direct tweet from uh, at fbl72. Um, Which I think is like the the EFL news, something like that. But um, so again, says he wants to know if people are fans or customers, as they often act like the latter. Says no one complains at cost of popcorn at the cinema, which I will say is completely untrue. Uh, That that's you speaking
3: personally, Evan? (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, that's that's part of the tweet. End quote there. Uh, let's take off that last part because i think that was more commentary so he says no one complains at the cost of popcorn at the cinema so so how do we feel about about that that comment and um you know specifically just fans moaning about every little thing that they can find to moan about
2: so first just to go to patty's earlier point about simple pr steps he should have he should have after he hired her he should have erased the word customer from his vocabulary just even if he wanted to say it, he should have just never brought that word up. Just because we otherwise we're not having this conversation right now, and it and it doesn't get any traction. So that's one, and it's not unlike when software when we call, or, you know, we use the word users a lot, and users is not a really flattering word either. So that that's one. Um, I don't know. It again. Too many missteps, and you know, as much as we like this transparency, I think um, I don't know. Maybe he was there too long. I mean, in terms of hours in front of an audience.
0: You know, this is one that Charlton fans started gaining involved. So throughout the night, again, Twitter timeline was pretty much a shit show, uh, and soon enough, like obviously, the 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 um, other fans of other clubs start taking notice of the hashtag guess, WFC, um fan forum and all the crap and all the uh, furor coming out of it, which again it wasn't it's just such a mountain out of Mohawk, most of it anyway but this is the one that all the Charlton fans started to get on board with, But apparently the line, not just the line about the customers the line about the popcorn at the cinema was a line that Katria Mier used in at the Charlton uh, club so uh, they were basically saying that clearly this is the beginning of the end for us this is what Katrien did at Charlton. Uh, she influenced the uh, owner, even though we know that the owner of Charlton was a complete nut job as well. Um, but yeah, they completely on this. And, and and again, they kind of deserved it. It was a terrible line. It was it was terrible line, terrible PR. And uh, I'm hoping that they're wrong, the Charlton fans. I think Katrien has done some good uh, at the club so far. Um, but it's, it's kind of a little worrying to see these kind of sayings creep in from our chairman um
2: what obviously... what
0: happened after she left there because they
3: it seemed like they charlton was making the news like every week for a while for some other thing and then it like completely dropped off my radar and i can't figure out if that's just because they like you know the club folded and went out of business and no one told me or <laughs> like what i mean literally what happened there
0: they're still fighting the owner the owner's still okay. there. um uh, Still have protests every week. Um, I, th- I think, like most things, the complaints go away when the team's doing okay. And they didn't, uh, have a, didn't have a terrible season last year, as far as we can gather in League One, um, but uh. they didn't get promoted either. So, uh, that's, I think I saw at the beginning of the season they they had some protests as well against the owner. But yeah, I either guess. way, the Charlotte fans still hold her as, uh, to account for everything that they did at Chal- that she did at Charlton. So, lots of uh, open wounds still at that club.
1: Well, I think the the greatest thing that she could do, um, and the greatest thing she will ever do if she can accomplish it, is get these um, PNS, the FFP stuff changed. And she mentioned that uh, Sheffield Wednesday are part of a bid to change the rules uh, around profit and sustainability, um, and and DC. So. We'll get to that in a second, but but the thing that kind of struck me as interesting was, and I saw a couple of tweets on this. Chancery said that he thinks he can solve the FFP situation this season. Right, he thinks he can figure it out this year, but then he follows that up with, "If we don't go up this year, there's no chance of us fixing it for next season." So is he saying that he thinks he can solve FFP by getting us promoted? Otherwise, we're done for. Or does he have some plan? Like, what 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 does that mean?
0: I mean if we had that answer we'd uh be a lot yeah, more comfortable. Be, uh,
1: I think I think I have an idea here. Uh I think I can solve it. Uh we just need to get promoted.
0: If that's his idea, oh, then uh Jane. I, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I Creek.
3: Yeah, I think he must have I yeah, I don't know. I don't
2: know. There's that great Steve Martin line about how do you make two million dollars. Well you start with a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I have not so, heard that. That is a good line. <laughs> uh, I hope it was Steve Martin. I'll have to look it up later.
1: So if we're going to get promoted, we need a lot of help. Obviously in the back, um, on the right side, uh, especially. <laughs> and uh, I get that. It's okay. Um, I can calm my, my love jets down for, for Liam Palmer for a second and admit that. <laughs> Cool. We definitely could use a replacement. Yeah, I said it. Love Jets. That's probably <laughs> not a line you've ever heard in your life, uh, but I hope it resonates with you. Um, anyway, <laughs> really badly.
3: Yeah, let the way it just turned. I hope you. I, I hope you dream about changing, my love Jets, Evan. I am changing my name or your name in my phone now to Evan Love Jets.
0: How about that? <laughs> yeah. All
3: right. All
0: let's right. talk a little that's bit cool. about let's talk a little bit about the transfer embargo then, because that's what we're to yeah. of discussing right. subject Of
1: right, right, right. So. Uh, temporary transfer embargo since April, which we didn't really we 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 assumed but we didn't really know. Um, and now we're trying to renegotiate with the EFL um, and even in the meeting, it looked like Chanceria was on his phone doing some some negotiating. So uh, you know what what do we make of this transfer embargo, and will that be lifted in time for us to make some signings?
3: Well, now we know why we didn't like extend the contracts of a couple of players that it seemed obvious that we would keep around if we could. Since that seems to be the the other side of it is that contracts that were contracts can't be approved until such time as we meet the uh, F F S N P financial process whatever
0: S and P now yeah
3: yeah so I mean in a way that makes I mean it makes sense I guess it explains behavior out of the club that we didn't know about and to the speaks to the fact of why they couldn't explain that. Um, does it help anything to know, oh, hey, we're under a transfer embargo? Not really. Does it make people less angry? No. It just means we're, I don't know, a bunch of sad fans lamenting our position.
1: Right. So, so Catrianne said that you know, she they're working on it. They're trying to get the FFP rules changed. And it's, it's P&S, by the way, not S&P. s uh, sorry. s and I think, is part of the stock market. Um, and is profit and sustainability and FFP financial fair play. We need to make a glossary of of terms here um, because it, it does get quite confusing. But anyway, they're trying to get them changed. And she said there needs to be 18 to 24 clubs in favor of any changes, which is going to be tough. We talked about it last week. Um, it, it's going to be kind of a cyclical thing uh, as far as FFP and and stuff goes with with different clubs you know right now we're in some problems whereas derby derby excuse me and forest and some other clubs aren't leeds you know they're spending a ton of money right now well and in, in a couple of years when they don't get promoted they're going to be in the same spot we are and we're going to be spending money so if 18 of 24 clubs need to be in favor of these changes but we have say 7 8 9 10 clubs each year and on different years going for it, I'm not sure we're ever going to reach a point where 18 out of 24 clubs are saying, okay, yeah, we should probably change the rules. We already know that three clubs each year won't want to change because they're getting parachute payments and they, they, they love that money, right? Each club that gets gets relegated from the Premier League. And, you know, as far as the other the other three go that come up. Yeah, you know, they're, they're probably not too concerned with FFP. They've just gotten promoted, a, a little extra cash in the bank, and they're going to start spending. And they're probably they probably have a good business plan. So that's six teams, right there that I, I don't know are going to be in favor of changes. So we need every other team um, on board with, with changes, and I, and I don't see it happening. And
0: uh, that's really frustrating for me. Don't forget also, I mean, it's not it's not just sixteen. There's people coming down from the Premier League that haven't gone up. So they're still on parachute payments. So th- and then there's more another three coming down the next year. So there's definitely outweighed in the argument of uh, do we um, need to reform on the FFP? And it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to take your parachute payments away. It's like, uh, oh, i taking, taking my guns away. It's not, They don't need to be scared of that. They just need to be a, a fairer um, rule change to allow it be, to be more competitive. We haven't got this cyclical um, uh, merry-go-round of clubs going on transfer embargo for a year, and then spending a fortune the year after, and then having your year on a year off—it's it's just a weird way of doing uh, doing transfers. And that's what's been um, put in, put in place by these FFP and PNS and S&P, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think needs to be there needs to be a rule change. I think it will happen eventually. I think um, it will. I think enough clubs will see that uh, it's not improving the game, especially in the championship. Um, and even more so in League One, to some respects. Um, and I think it will change, but I think they've just got to keep petitioning for this. Right now, though, we have got to abide by these rules. Um, and the only way I can see uh, Chan Siri um, getting out of it is by selling either one big player, i.e., Forestieri, um, for a large sum of money, or selling a bunch of players to get us out of this basically 10 to 20 million pounds hole so we can start signing players again. Um, and to me, from the comments he made in the fans' forum, he feels like the team is good enough to get promoted this year, so I'm not entirely sure that he's going to sell anybody this transfer window, uh, or at least anybody big, and he might wait until January next year to see where we are on the table. If we're pushing top two, in his mind that's possible apparently, uh, then he might keep hold of everybody and hope we get promoted, which would be uh, a fucking roller coaster over the last few months of the season. If that happens, uh, the other obviously uh, the other uh, outcome of this is that we're not doing well in January, and it's a massive fire sale at Sheffield Wednesday. So we need to sell players to um, to uh, get out of the PNS um, embargo for longer than a temporary shift, because we don't want to be in a situation where Forest have been in for the past year or two. I can't remember how many years they've been under embargo for, where they are basically just languishing. In, mid to low table not allowed to buy anybody so welcome to the HMS rollercoaster
3: please pay your 5 pound ticket to the left
0: <laughs> yeah HMS Pistol League has stayed at the dock this year
3: <laughs> with that we will take a quick
1: break when we return Transfer News an interview with Mike from Portland some dispatches and a hall preview <laughs> We're back with some transfer news, sort of. Kieran Westwood likely gone, Paddy?
0: Yes, mate, it looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, if you're a third choice keeper behind two young uns after the career that Westwood has, then uh, I think you got to be showing the door, unfortunately, for Mr. Kieran, which is sad. Uh, but in this, like we discussed, we need to make some cash. And it looks like it's, it's, it's all reliant on what happens with Chelsea. And it looks like Chelsea's bought this, uh, this this keeper recently, which means Courtois is going to go. Uh, and apparently they're also looking at Jack Butland. Um, but Butland might go from Stoke. Who knows what's going to happen there. If Butland goes from Stoke, essentially Westwood's going to go to Stoke. That's what the current plan is. Um, either way, if he goes to Stoke or not, I think he's probably going to be shipped around the uh, Championship and lower Premiership sides uh, as someone uh, that they want to offload. So that's sad. Um, and more scary news uh, uh, for us, I think, is the fact that Forestieri rumours have started up again. Um Maybe it's just after the fans' forum yesterday, but uh, he's been linked with Cardiff City. I mean, Neil Warnock and Forestieri. Uh, not really a match I would put together, uh, mainly because it sounds disgusting. I just wanted to vomit a little bit in my mouth. Um, is, but, is Gary Medine still on the books at Cardiff? Yeah, you could see the preparing the, the of Gary Medine. I just want to cry even more, Luke. Oh, God. Gary Medine and uh, Diary could be partnering up front in the Premier League next season for Neil Warnock's Cardiff side. God, that's some words I didn't want to put together ever in my life, but that could be a reality. Uh, and that's the only transfer news we have. Um, and it's too depressing to continue anymore. So uh, let's move on to the interview, with Mike.
1: <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, we'll do just that. Mike, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, and, and now it'll be a ple- pleasure, I'm sure, to talk about uh, Portland Wednesday. You know, it's been it's been fantastic to see the growth out, out West with you guys. And uh, I'm wondering if you could tell me just a little bit about just kind of how your group started.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, appreciate the squad rotation and the, uh, the chance to, to come on board. So before I, before I give the, the Wednesday Portland Wednesday origin story, I do want to just, I want to reflect a little bit. Um, a year ago, Patty had, I guess it was last spring Patty had put out a request for, for folks to fall to call in at the end of the first year of Dallas America's, into the first season kind of reflect on their favorite moments. And I did not call, but I do want to share that now. And my favorite moment happens probably two or three times last year, which is I get to the toffee club. We have seven o'clock kickoff out here. So I get to the toffee club a little after six thirty. I have a cup of coffee with the bartender, set up the streaming, some of the regulars who I know start to fall in, but every once in a while, a car will pull up and uh, someone or a couple may, may get out of the car and they may or may not have what looked like Wednesday kits on under their jackets. And they have a, a look of skepticism as to why are we at this bar at seven in the morning. Um, and yeah, it's really special when they come in. They they look a little bit confused, uh, look relieved, a little bit of disbelief when they see us. And it's fun. And we get to all reflect on our Wednesday stories. And we get to ask the age old question, how did you become Wednesdayite? <clears throat> and it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's that reason that I encourage folks to start um, supporters groups around. It really does. It really is fun to make connections like that. Um, as far as the, the, Portland Wednesday beginnings, um, Mike Minervini, uh, founded the group. Uh, this is, he and a, a buddy were following Wednesday a couple of years ago. They decided to, to grab the Twitter handle and look for other people that were following it. Um, Rich, who I had never, had never met in person at the time, but he and I were corresponding over Twitter. Um, someone put them in touch with us and that was it for a while. There were about five of us on this really long Twitter thread. Uh, we still have the the, 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 Twitter message going, um, through the twitter direct message um it'd be scary to go back and look and see how old it is but yeah and um and that's that's been it uh is that it really is very simple to to start and i don't want to i really what i want to say about starting up um supporters clubs is it doesn't have to be a large group it can be three of you it can probably be two of you but you know um just keep it simple and set expectations. And uh, you know, I've, I've told Patty this. You know, you don't don't compare yourself to New York owls and don't compare yourself to the New Orleans owls. They they meet every week. Um, I don't know, Patty. What on a good turnout? How many do you guys have?
0: On a good turnout, we can get up to like uh, well for the playoffs, for instance. We've got like fifty. But you yeah, you did right. right. That's not going to happen in most cities in in the US, and uh, it shouldn't be a goal uh, for people to try and get to that and uh, I think it's a, and it's almost like we have a core too like say we just, you've got a core of five people that turn up uh, to your games we've got a core of about maybe like ten people and they won't all turn up to games but I can guarantee probably about five of them uh, out of the ten would yeah. uh, and that's all you need yeah. and it's about creating a family I would go on more than you I would say you don't even need two people for a group I would say if you're going to a bar every week and you, you can know the barman that can put the game on for you and maybe you know other fans there maybe you know... Uh, a Chelsea fan or a Man new fan that's going to be there. If you go into the bar and ask the barman, will you put the Wednesday game on for me? I've got a laptop you can hold up on iFollow. That's the beginning of a stars of a sports group. That's all it needs. Spread the word out. Get in touch with us. We can put you on Twitter. We can get in touch with the club. We can get you on the club website. We can get you on our website. We've got a good reach. We've got a good network now, and uh, it doesn't take 50 people to start a sports group. It takes one.
2: Yep. Yeah, and I would just say, um, you know, be creative. Um, if, if, you, if you talk to your bartender or whoever runs the whatever, doesn't even have to be a bar. Maybe there's a diner somewhere in the middle of the country that has a TV that they're willing to, to loan you, and you and a friend can go watch it. I would fucking find, love that. Imagine you go to a diner to watch Wednesday. It'd be amazing. Someone well, I don't a know, that week. might be a thing. That might be a thing. But, you know, find an interesting game, you know, three or four weeks out. I think uh, an interesting meaning... That other people, there may be other supporters groups around. You know, we had, you know, last year we had Narge. We we kind of had a a joint meet up with some Narge people. I know there's a Leeds group here. Um, We're we're looking forward to to doing some work with them. I think that's something else that's important. Again, football factory. You guys have that whether you like it or not. Here, I mean, it it just helps. And again, having going from three people to six people because three of them are rooting for the other team. That's just fun, you know. And it's just it's a good thing to do. And then find out if the um, Find out if that bar is, you know, do they have a social media platform? You know, do they put their schedules online? And if they do, then send us a link to their schedule and we will broadcast it out to the world.
0: No, I think it's great. And I really do appreciate what you guys are doing. Mike is super organized. What do you, what do you say? I mean, you guys meet up like maybe once a month, maybe once or two months. So, yeah. So last year we had six meetups. Um, and, uh, you
2: know, to be quite, as I've mentioned earlier in this broadcast, uh, podcast, um, winning cures everything. And yeah, mid, mid spring, it got a little stale, um, kind of had to remind people to come to meetups. Um, but we've kind of made a commitment with the coffee bar, uh, toffee bar this year to, to shoot for 10. We're going to try for 10. Um, and again, I think we're going to take it five at a time. So we've kind of got a calendar set up with them through the holidays, um, hopefully Wednesday will be um, a little bit better than mid-table mediocrity and we can uh, get some momentum going from there. Um, that weird paradox is you almost hope for a relegation battle to sort of please something
0: interesting to watch in, in March and April,
2: but I do not want a relegation battle in March and April.
0: Yeah, let's think of the grace of good here, not game <laughs> yeah. fans in bars. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go through a relegation battle this year. And, and another thing to add on to Mike's stuff, um, I mean, there's experience both from Mike, myself, from the New York Owls, from Jamie, Nolan's, from all of our sport groups and, and, and uh, people that meet up. Uh, and actually, Evan, the new, the newest uh, meetup was in uh, Ohio this weekend, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I ended up with, with two others, so th- three of us total, uh, which was, it was actually kind of exciting. It was the, the first time on a Saturday morning that uh, I've watched with anyone other than Rachel. Um, and, you know, one was my brother, to be fair, but, but he... Pseudo interested, just uh, out of curiosity for me, and the other is uh, a buddy of mine that had had seen me tweet many, many times and started playing FIFA with with Sheffield Wednesday. That's who he plays with uh, online. There you go. And that's uh, how it starts. Just like slowly, slowly has has become a Wednesday fan, sort of. So I said, "Hey, you know, come over. uh, You know, I'll pay. I'm paying for. I follow. You might as well come over watch." Uh, and see what you think. And, and he was as into it as I was. He jumped up when, when Fessy scored. He was standing at the end of the match hoping we scored the, the equalizer. And, and um, you know, I think we created a Wednesday fan, right? And so um, it's very exciting. And from that, a couple people have, have sent me messages to ask if I'm having any more meetups because they're uh, an hour away or an hour and a half away. There, there aren't many fans in my direct vicinity, but, you know, throughout Ohio and Michigan, Indiana, Uh, And over in Pennsylvania, there are plenty of fans and and maybe we can schedule, um, you know, a couple big matches this year. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. It was cool to watch with people and and hopefully we get something going out here in the Midwest.
2: Actually, on that note, Patty, if it's okay, can we talk a little bit about Cascadia Owls as an experiment? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I started a group uh, and this is very much to what you just said about, you know, people who are an hour and a half away. But you don't know if that's cool that they found you. And in some places, people drive an hour and a half to, to do things like this. Um, we started a group called the Cascadia Owls. Um, you can find it on Facebook. Uh, it's on Twitter. And it's, it's essentially what it sounds like. It's, it's Jeff L. Wednesday fans who are in the Pacific Northwest. And I emphasize it's not Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. It is people, you know, whether you're in, you know, the, the northern tip of California all the way up to Vancouver, beyond up into bc parts of alaska boise we don't know we'll, we'll find out um but it's been really cool we started a we had a, a th- the, the dreaded introduce yourself thread on on facebook <laughs> last week and there's a guy who introduced himself he said i live in i can't remember the name of the city in, in bc and he says he wants to meet other Alice fans in british columbia turns out he's eight hours away from vancouver which to me seems like a long way but to him that might be just the price of living and where he lives but he was happy to meet you know other people um in Vancouver, who are, who are fans. Uh, another guy got in touch with me. He lives in uh, Tri Cities, uh, Washington, which is really a you know, very rural part of Washington. He's going to be, um, he's coming to Portland tomorrow night for the Hall Oates Notes concert, and he's going to stop by the Topic Club and we're going to meet for a pint. Um, just a little connection. So, this whole idea of like maybe we do need to think about like regional. Supporters clubs um, that are don't necessarily intended to get together for watch parties, but just to connect people. So maybe we have a Great Lakes supporters or a Texas supporters or Southern Owls or something like that. Um, just throwing that out there as, as another idea.
0: No, I think it's great. It's about casting the net wider, bringing that kind of um, what I think works for Cascadia is that it's, it's, a, it's kind of a region which you guys have got a kind of not like a, a branding for but it is kind of that. It's an area that people are proud to be part of, proud from too. So I don't th- think uh, Southern owls are be too wishy washy, um, but a Midwest owls works, right, even. There's a Midwest pride. Yeah, Midwest
1: owls would be uh, would be cool. Uh, I mean, we probably will all tout our, our flannel shirts and uh, maybe make a, a Wednesday version of, of a flannel shirt, and we can all uh, get together that way.
3: But uh, no, I, thought, I think I, I thought- think it's great. I thought flannel shirts were more of like a northwest thing.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll claim. Yeah, please don't go flannel. That's that's gonna be yeah, Johnny, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so so, so, we'll now, make... so now we have to
1: argue who ha- who has the rights to flannel shirts. Can, you can, guys can we just have k- make a – khakis and
3: golf shirts, right? Just that's a bit oh, Man, that's can, can we make a, a subgroup that's just flannel owls and incorporate all yes. people?
1: I'm Let's That's with about fashion choices. We're just going to change Owls Americas to Flannel Owls.
0: That's great. Flannel is what flannel. No one knows what it is. It's check shirts, everybody. It's basically check shirts. Check shirts. Gotcha.
1: So uh, yeah, that's great. And and we'll move on from that since since we've gotten pretty deep into the the podcast. But um, Mike, it, again, it's it's great to have you on. It's it's awesome to see what you're doing out there, um, and hopefully we can get you more involved with with Owls of Americas as we continue to grow. So uh, now we'll move on to dispatches from U.S. soccer. It's pretty quick, but we have a Sheffield Wednesday football club dream team that has formed in Orlando. Orlando City has already, as we talked about, uh, signed James O'Connor on as their head coach slash manager slash football director, I guess. And now this week it was announced, I guess last week it was announced that Sean McCauley, who was previously an assistant at Portland who has been to a couple Portland Owls meetups who I have met in Seattle one time has moved to Orlando city to be James O'Connor's assistant. So two owls coaching Orlando city who happen to be a a pretty bad club right now. Uh, But that's not the point of this. Um, Mike, how, how devastating is it to lose Sean?
2: You know, um, it's it's hard to process. It, it, it took a while to sink in. And to see you guys talking about the dream team, it takes, it's going to take me a while to get there. Um, and I also can never root for a team from Orlando. But I guess, we'll, again, I'll get there eventually. Um, yeah, it was kind of striking to see him leave uh, in the midst of a 15-game uh, unbeaten streak. Um, it seemed like things were going well. Um, so it, it seems like he was ready for this challenge and, uh, you know, all the best, uh, we are going to miss him. I have a great Sean McCauley story. I mean, we've got a couple that are, that are just really exemplify what a great guy he is. Um, as I've mentioned on Twitter and social media, he's just ambassador is the best word. And Evan, when I heard your story about meeting him in Seattle, you, you picked up on exactly it. He's the fact that he just whips out his phone and, and, you know, says, do you want so-and-so's number, even though you already had it? Um, it's just, it's great. He's he's just a really good ambassador. He really cares about growing Wednesday. He cares about Alice Americas, from what I can tell. And yeah, I I, we, I wish him the best. And I have a hunch this won't be the last we'll be hearing from him.
1: Yeah, hopefully we can get him on soon. So now we'll move on to the match preview. We have Hall City and their Squirrels coming up on our schedule this Saturday. Uh, I would imagine we'll have to pull out the Squirrel song, maybe blast that out on social media i hate to toot my toot? own horn but it's <laughs> some of my best work ever so. it really
3: is um, still still amazing oh yes yeah so True. uh
1: anyway, so, so hall actually has an american connection they uh this summer signed eric lehigh who if you see his last name you wouldn't know it's lehigh it's l-i-c-h-a-j classic like uh, american name yeah they i've heard that name so many times here um Old Joe Lehigh, Joe Sixpack Lehigh. <laughs> so, so Eric Lehigh and his dog Gunner, who I think it was like 2013 what? or something, he was playing for Forest.
3: And uh, no, it was it was last it was year. Last year. Was, wasn't yeah. that a okay. dog was
0: playing for that Forest? Was... What are you on about? No,
3: no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, that was he, months he, ago,
0: that was
3: months he, ago. Evan. Patrick, you don't remember this? He scored an amazing goal versus Arsenal, and his I think girlfriend or now wife, fiance said like okay you can finally get that puppy that you wanted and so he got a puppy (laughs) and named the gunner
0: i did not know this okay he named it after the
3: club
1: he scored against
0: yes yes Uh, so yeah
1: sorry i don't know why why 2013 was in my head it was 2018 (sighs) just just this year so um not much from hall to be honest with you um not a very impressive summer. They they got rid of quite a few players. Uh, Max Clark is gone. Abel Hernandez, who scored thirty-six goals in um I think ninety-nine matches from like for in four years or something like that. Uh he didn't he didn't re-sign. They lost something, Sebastian Larson. Like, can,
0: can you say something like that? I know you're reading from your blog post, Evan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I actually am not.
0: Really, really. No, I'm not. Well, you have, um, you have memorized those uh, stats pretty brilliantly, by the way. Guys, if you haven't read uh, Evan's blog post on the uh, championship preview, it's fantastic. And there's some great stats on every team that have bought and lost people. So, well done, Evan, on first of all remembering those stats and who they've lost. So, Can you remember right. the defenders they lost?
1: Mm, well, Max Clark was a defender. Yeah.
0: Uh <laughs>
1: Dawson, Tom. Tom Dawson. Yes, Michael Dawson. Um, Michael Dawson. Yeah, he's Boom, gone. Boom Um, and then I know they lost a couple other guys that put in some goals. David Myler I think, is gone. Nice. Um, so and then I, from what I recall from that those notes, they didn't really bring in anyone that um really adds up to to what they've lost. So um, not a bunch going on for Hall City. I, I, let's let's do match predictions. Patty, match prediction.
0: Fall one. Wednesday
1: 4-1 yep
0: we're gonna bounce back with a bang and we're gonna like I want some positivity back in this podcast and in the in the whole Wednesday uh, fan base and I think it's gonna happen with uh, a 4-1 home win Forestieri Hattrick alright Mike
2: I think the defense is gonna show up and go 2-0 to Wednesday Ooh, Queen Sheet Luke uh, I'm going to be the pessimist
3: and say a 2-2 two, two draw.
1: All right. And I will go with 3-1. I don't know if we're going to score four, but I do like 3-1. So exciting stuff coming up this weekend. Uh, Patty, any meetups?
0: Yes, mate, we do. We, uh, I was, we are meeting at uh, New York at the Football Factory as per usual. Uh, so come down and say hello. If you're either in town on vacation or just live here, and I know you. Great. come. Great. Um, Jamie is not in New Orleans right now. He's still in England. But there is a New Orleans meetup in Fin McCool's, which you are all welcome to if you're in NOLA. Uh, and that's it this week. Um, there will be more announced over the next coming weeks.
1: All right. And I know you've talked a bunch. And I'm getting kind of sick of it. But we have some new merch available, don't we?
0: <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, it is, unfortunately, all me today. Sorry, guys. Um There is some awesome new merch. First of all, I want to tell you, I got delivered today uh, the Owls America's Beach Towels, which is sat next to me right here. Uh, And they are some of the best merch I've ever seen. Uh, And you should definitely go and buy some uh, beach towels. Currently only available in America. I'm going to set up the UK store this week and I'll send you out on uh, Facebook and Twitter and email uh, so everyone in the UK can get them too. Uh, We're going to have some new merch um, for kids, which Paul has designed, which is Absolutely quality It's like the owl design without the outline. If you can imagine that, those big yellow eyes looking out at you—it's really cool, and the kids are gonna love it. Uh, and uh, for all the owls in different states across the U.S., we've got loads of states now. So if you're a New Jersey owl, if you're a Maryland owl, if you're—I don't know—Virginia owl, we've got loads of different like state T-shirts too. So go into uh, owlsamerica's.com and click on the store link at the bottom, and you'll get to our store.
1: And the last bit of news is that we will be, well, not we, but I guess technically we, it's part of us, James, um, James Allen, who is currently on holiday and James Marriott will be back with a new FFP podcast. I believe they're going to record it this weekend. So be on the lookout for, for just an update there following the, um, the bunch of news that came out from the chairman's forum. And that's going to bring us to our close. I know that you're very sad to to hear me leave as the fill-in host, which I know that last time I hosted, pretty much everyone said I was better than Jeff. So if you could maybe tweet that. Tweet that <laughs> at, at Jeff, Jeff Paternostro that Evan is a better host. I would appreciate it. Um, Patty is available on Twitter at... New York Owls, as well as what? Patty. Patty Jones at Patty Jones.
0: Patty A. Jones. Thanks, Al.
1: Patty A. Jones. A stands for asshole. If you're wondering.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True. All true.
1: And, Patty, who is your favorite Hall City player? (laughs)
0: What the fuck? Uh, um, uh, You know what? I think my favorite Hall City player is just looking at the blog you wrote Eric Lehigh.
1: Eric Leashash.
0: <laughs> yes. All
1: right. And Mike, tell us uh, tell us where we can find you online.
2: Well, if you care about, um, you know, soccer in the Northwest, uh, you can join Follow Cascadia Owls. Uh, we also share the Portland Wednesday Owls account, or Portland Wednesday account. So that's uh, the best place to find me. If you care about uh, interesting, impenetrable stuff about research data in the semantic web, you can follow Mike Laroon. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Sounds great.
0: Oh, now, question. over
1: to Luke Andrews Hacken.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm not
0: going to question what that means. Are we just going to leave that? No,
2: we can talk about that later. We can have, we can have, <laughs> have career day. We can have, we can have what do you do for a living?
0: Then. That, that could be another three hours at the
2: end of this mid, podcast. Mid Table Doldrums podcast.
1: <laughs> now, Luke Andrews Hacken, who I had to get his full name in there because that's something Jeff always does, and I feel like this wouldn't be a complete podcast without it. Luke, where can we find you online?
3: Uh, I am on Twitter at the Super Bowls or the the Superb Owls, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And I do care about the semantic web, Mike. I appreciate that. Thank you, Luke.
1: Well, and the last question is for you, Luke.
3: And it is, what is your favorite type of squirrel? Uh, The black squirrel that used to inhabit the Sarah Lawrence College campus. um, There was a colony of them that lived there that would regularly terrorize people for... (laughs) Their early morning coffee and breadsticks uh, on my way to my various classes when I was a university student.
0: What was his name?
3: The this no, there were many squirrels. Oh, there was a whole what? colony. What yeah, names? there was a whole colony of I don't know, black squirrels. <laughs> we, used to, we, I mean, that was the well. This podcast has gone to shit. I'm Evan <laughs> You
1: can find me at Ohio Owl, and that's pretty much it. We thank you so much for tuning in. As always find us on any podcast platform like us subscribe to us leave a nice comment or a mean one uh just make sure your review is five stars um i'm not as good at this as jeff is but until next time take it easy